faster for your morning. All the news you need to know. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC. Good morning and welcome to the 77 WBC Early News. I'm not Deb Valentine. I'm Frank Diaz with your news, sports, business, traffic, and weather. Here's everything you need to know. The top five at five. This is a deeply disturbing day. New York City officials insist the Supreme Court's decision on a concealed carry law won't affect the city, but they'll work to blunt its impact. Elected officials in New York and New Jersey wasted no time expressing their opinions on that Supreme Court decision. The Biden administration faced a barrage of questioning on how he'll fight high gas prices. The Senate passed a bipartisan gun safety bill last night, the first federal gun legislation in almost 30 years. A new poll shows New York Representative Lee Zeldin holding a double-digit lead over his opponents in the New York primary race for governor for the GOP. The New York City officials insist that the U.S. Supreme Court's decision to ease the way for people to carry handguns for self-defense wouldn't immediately affect the Big Apple. However, they acknowledge they'll need to, quote, use every legal resource available to blunt its future impact. According to the NYPD, around 16,000 New Yorkers now have permits that allow them to keep handguns in their city homes, and 700 business owners have permits to have handguns where they work. About 3,500 people are allowed to carry guns because of their jobs, while 2,400 security guards can be armed at work but can't bring the weapons home with them. Deputy Commissioner of Intelligence and Counterterrorism of the NYPD, John Miller, spoke about the decision on Cats at Night, hosted by 77 WBC owner and operator John Katzmatidis. What could happen is that a lot of people who don't have a need that they can demonstrate to carry a concealed weapon uh, may apply and that the number of licenses for concealed carry may surge from where it is now, which is about 3,500 people who have business carry licenses um, and then a couple thousand more who have licenses to carry as guards, but only on duty and only while they're at work. Well, Mayor Eric Adams said that the city would start identifying the sensitive locations where a gun possession can be banned and also review the application process for obtaining pistol permits to ensure that only those who are fully qualified can obtain a carry license. Well, elected officials in New York and New Jersey wasted no time voicing their opinions and talking about the next steps after the Supreme Court ruling. Governor Kathy Hochul said while the decision necessitated no immediate change to New York state law, she anticipates a rush to get permits using the decision as justification. Hochul called a special legislative session to address the permitting process for concealed carry and attempt to limit places where concealed carry is allowed and to give businesses and property owners the ability to ban them. This is a deeply disturbing day. I mean, it is. it flies in the face of everything we've been trying to do here to protect citizens. The fact that they took up this case and are undermining a law that's been in place, again, this was not part of the SAFE Act. This is not a new law. This has been the law in the state of New York since the early 1900s. Several Republicans in New York cheered Thursday's ruling. Nick Langworthy, the chair of the New York State GOP and congressional candidate, called the ruling a win for the public over politicians. Well, the White House on Thursday faced a barrage of questions about whether President Biden's doing enough to address record gas prices after he skipped a summit with oil executives and instead met with wind industry leaders. My message is simple to the companies running gas stations and setting those prices at the pump. This is a time of war, global peril, Ukraine. These are not normal times. 
bring down the price you are charging at the pump to reflect the cost you are paying for the product. Biden then mistakenly held up a backwards detailed note prepared by his staff for the wind meeting. It instructed him to, quote, say hello to participants and then take your seat before giving two minutes of remarks. The staff note also instructed the president to ask Liz Schuler, president of the AFL-CIO, a question and then thank participants and leave. At the Daily White House briefing, reporters called out the awkward ju- juxtaposition of energy events as high fuel costs contribute to the worst inflation since 1981 and sent Biden's approval rating to new lows. According to AAA, the average price of gas is about $5 a gallon. Well, the Senate passed the bipartisan gun safety bill by a vote of 65 to 33 late last night. Fifteen Republicans voted with all Democrats in the chamber to pass the bill. Republican leader Mitch McConnell supported the final passage as he was expected to. The package is the first major piece of federal gun reform in almost 30 years. Schumer on the Senate floor Thursday morning praised the bipartisanship of the process. This is not a cure-all for all the ways gun violence affects our nation, but it is a long overdue step in the right direction. It's significant, it's going to save lives, and it's my intention to get it done as soon as we can. The House will need to pass the measure before it can be signed into law and could take up the bill as early as today. The Senate had voted earlier yesterday to cut off debate on the bill which was crafted amid a disturbing uptick in shootings across the United States. The same 15 Republicans had sided with all 50 members of the Democratic caucus to clear the procedural hurdle. A new poll shows that New York Representative Lee Zeldin holds a sizable double-digit lead over his opponents for the Republican nomination in New York's gubernatorial election. The latest poll comes from McLaughlin & Associates. The survey was released yesterday but was conducted last week before the final gubernatorial debate in New York on Tuesday. It found that Zeldin holds a 21-point lead over his closest rivals, Andrew Giuliani and Rob Astorino. They're both at 17%. Here's what Zeldin said about his qualifications to be governor during the Newsmax Republican debate for New York governor. Life experience. I'm currently in my 20th year serving the United States Army. The life experience of raising identical girls born 14 and a half weeks early, weighing just a pound and a half, serving the last four terms in the United States Congress. McLaughlin and Associates surveyed about 600 likely Republican primary voters from June 16th to the 19th with no margin of error given. Here's your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly sunny today with a high near 82. Tonight we got some clear skies with a low of around 66. Tomorrow, sunny. It's going to be a hot one, a high near 89. Right now, it's 65, 63 degrees and mostly clear right now outside the 77 WABC studios. Well, yesterday's January 6th committee hearing focused on the pressure of then-President Donald Trump and his allies put on the Justice Department to help overturn the 2020 election. The efforts culminated in an Oval Office meeting just days ahead of the January 6th riot, where top justice officials threatened to resign if Trump went through with a plan to install Jeffrey Clark as the head of the agency because he was willing to assist in Trump's plans. Well, three former senior Justice Department officials who rebuffed Trump at the time tested, testified live. Jeffrey Rosen, the acting attorney general, Richard Donahue, the acting deputy attorney general, and Steve Engel, who led the department's office of legal counsel. Listen to this back and forth between Donahue and Illinois Republican Congressman Adam Kinzinger. Did 
every assistant attorney general you spoke to, as you said, agree to resign? Uh, Macon Delrahim uh, was not on the call only because we, we had some difficulty reaching him. But, yes, the other people on the um, screen were on the call and all, without hesitation, said that they would resign. Well, Thursday's hearing is the last one this month after the committee decided to push the final scheduled hearings into July, a move that lawmakers said would allow more time to process new information. During Thursday's hearing, Trump took to his Truth Social platform to slam the committee and its methods. Well, the FDA announced yesterday that it's taking Juul Labs e-cigarettes and other products off the market. It comes after the federal health agency completed a nearly two-year review of the manufacturer's application to sell its vaping device and tobacco and menthol-flavored pods. Ultimately, the FDA decided to block Juul's application. Juul Labs said it would seek a stay of the decision and was, quote, exploring all of their options under the FDA's regulations and the law, including appealing the decision and engaging with our regulator. Here's Johns Hopkins cardiologist Dr. Michael Blaha talking about the dangers of vaping. We know that electronic cigarettes can help certain adults quit smoking, but there's an enormous potential harm with electronic cigarettes, and that's young people using them usually as their first tobacco product. Companies long claimed its product is important as a tool to stop smoking cigarettes. After hitting the market in the mid-2010s, Juul became the most popular brand of e-cigarettes available in large part due to its wide variety of flavors, including cream, mango, and mint. Politicians and anti-tobacco advocates have accused the company of using these flavors, along with the sleek design resembling a flash drive, to market vaping to U.S. children and teenagers. Well, the Biden administration has agreed to cancel an estimated $6 billion in federal student loan debt for about 200,000 borrowers who have claimed they were defrauded by their college. The administration previously approved $25 billion in loan forgiveness for 1.3 million borrowers. Around 43 million Americans have federal student loan debt. Many of the borrowers affected by the new agreement have been waiting years for the DOE to process their claims under a rule known as Borrower Defense to Repayment. U.S. Secretary of Education Miguel Cardona spoke to Fox News about the move. For me, there are a lot of things in here that are great for, for our borrowers. And, um, you know, since day one from this administration, we've been focused on making sure we're putting our borrowers first. We've done more in one year than any other administration has done combined. It allows borrowers who believe they were misled by their college, often overinflated job placement rates, or the ability to transfer credits to request student loan relief. Both plaintiffs and the Department of Education said they're pleased about the agreement. Well, as flight delays and staffing issues cause chaos across the country, travelers at Newark Airport say that even government, if the government steps in, they'll never win. A rise in flight cancellations and delays amid staffing shortages has disrupted travelers. By late Wednesday evening, total flight delays hovered about 15,000, and total cancellations are about near 3,000, this according to FlightAware. Transportation Secretary Pete Buttigieg said action could be taken against U.S. airlines for flight disruptions following a virtual meeting with airline executives earlier this month. CBS News Senior Travel Advisor Peter Greenberg said staffing shortages will likely get worse before it gets better. You can't just go hire a pilot, have him kick the tires, and sit in the cockpit and fly the plane. Training takes time. Well, Fox Business also reported earlier this month that the airline industry is short about 12,000 pilots and that the majority of airports across the nation are already offering fewer flights. Well, COVID-19 vaccines for children younger than five are rolling out this week. The FDA and the CDC signed off on the shots, safety and efficacy 
Like with any vaccine, though, it's possible kids may experience a few side effects. It's safety data from Moderna and Pfizer vetted by the FDA and the CDC. Found potential side effects are mostly mild and short-lived. Side effects mostly commonly included pain at the injection site and sometimes swelling and redness. As far as the systemic or body-wide symptoms, the most common was fatigue or sleepiness. Some children had irritably had irritability or fussiness, loss of appetite, headache, abdominal pain, or discomfort, enlarged lymph nodes, mild diarrhea, or vomiting. Well, U.S. officials say that the country will provide an additional $450 million in security assistance to Ukraine, including more long-range rocket systems. Moscow's forces are advancing in Ukraine's east in a bid to capture the industrial heartland known as the Donbass where Ukraine fears that some of its troops could be encircled in a Russian pincer move. In a statement, the Pentagon said that the package would be valued at up to $450 million and include four additional high-mobility artillery rocket systems, or HIMARS, 18 coastal and riverine patrol boats, and thousands of rounds of ammunition. John Kirby, the National Security Council Coordinator for Strategic Communications, said Washington was closely working with Kiev to identify which types of weapons could best fulfill their needs in each package. The, the, the speed with which security assistance is actually reaching the front lines in Ukraine. There's literally shipments going in every single day, and it's not just from the United States. We are the biggest donor, but more than 40 other nations around the world are also contributing security assistance in some type or form uh, to, to Ukraine. Well, since Russia's invasion of Ukraine on February 24th, President Joe Biden's administration has provided about $6.1 billion in security assistance to the Ukraine. Saturday 7 WABC time check 515. Let's head over to my left shoulder where Mr. Justin Ellick is sitting by with our sports report. Yes, Frank. Yes, left is the opposite of right. And I am Justin Ellick here with your early news sports update. What a game last night in the Bronx as a huge four-game series between the Astros and Yankees got underway with a down-to-the-wire thriller. That saw balls getting peppered out of the ballpark all night long. Two three-run homers to each side including a gargantuan blast off the bat of Aaron Hicks in the bottom of the ninth. Saw this bout knotted at six before, you guessed it, Aaron Judge came to the dish with a chance to flip the lid on Yankee Stadium. Driven down the left field line. It is a base hit. It goes into the corner, and the Yankees have done it again. Trevino scores, and they come all the way back for a dramatic 7-6 victory. That call, courtesy of Michael K. and the Yes Network. 7-6 to six is your final from Game 1 of what is sure to be an electric series between these two teams all weekend long. Game 2 tonight, we'll see Luis Severino go up against the right arm of Justin Verlander. First pitch is set for 7.05 p.m. Eastern. As for the Mets, they were off yesterday. We'll be back in action tonight in Miami to get a three-game weekend set with the Marlins underway. 6.40 p.m. is your first pitch with Taiwan Walker poised to go up against Miami's Sandy Alcantara. Also tonight, Game 5 of the Stanley Cup Finals in Colorado set for an 8 p.m. Eastern time puck drop. Will we see a champion crowned in the avalanche? Or will the Lightning live to fight another day as they continue their fight for their third straight championship? Last night's NBA draft star New York Knicks select small forward Osmane Diang with the 11th overall pick along with another small forward in Duke's Trevor Keels with their second round pick. Regarding Diang, his draft rights were ultimately sent to the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder in exchange for three future Conditional first-round picks from Denver, Washington, and Detroit. Also of note, point guard Kemble Walker was shipped to Detroit as part of a three-team trade involving the Charlotte Hornets. After the dust had settled, the Knicks had gained the rights to center J- 
Jalen Duren, who was originally picked by Charlotte with a 13th overall pick. As for the Nets, they did not have a pick in last night's draft. For more sports content, follow 77 WABC Sports on Instagram and Twitter. And here with the early news sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. I forgot that the Stanley Cup was still happening. Thanks, Justin. <laughs> Look at your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center. Mostly sunny today with a high near 82. Mostly clear later tonight with a low around 66. Saturday, sunny with a high near 81. It's going to be a little bit hot tomorrow. Right now, 63, degree, 63 degrees, mostly clear at 519. Let's over to, head over to Frank Morano with your business report. I'm Frank Morano with your business report. The market closed higher Thursday even as recession fears linger. Sectors like utilities, real estate, and healthcare are top performers. This comes as the 10-year Treasury yield fell to its lowest level in about two weeks. At closing bell, the Dow Jones Industrial gained 194 points, the S&P 500 added 35 points, and the NASDAQ jumped 179 points. United Airlines will cut about 12% of departures a day from its schedule at Newark Liberty International Airport starting next month. This in an attempt to minimize delays caused by a combination of airport construction and a shortage of air traffic controllers. In a statement, United said it will not discontinue service to any city, but will reduce the frequency of departures to some markets. Tesla CEO Elon Musk says the electric cars factories in Texas and Berlin are losing billions of dollars as supply chain disruptions hamper the electric vehicle giant's ability to ramp up production. He said some of the tools required to make some cars are stuck in a port in China because of a resurgence of COVID there and the resulting lockdowns. Despite the supply chain issues, Musk says Tesla is still aiming to produce one and a half million cars this year, though he warned that customers face long waits. Nike says it's leaving Russia permanently after temporarily suspending its operations there three months ago. The move comes after the retail giant suspended operations at all of its stores in Russia following Vladimir Putin's decision to invade Ukraine. Nike now joins companies like Starbucks and McDonald's, which both recently announced they're shutting down businesses there as well. I'm Frank Morano on 77 WABC. I'll be back Monday morning at 1 a.m. Dow futures up right now about 0.6%. S&P 500 up about three quarters of a percent. NASDAQ up almost 1%. Gold down about 0.1%. Silver down about 0.6%. And crude oil futures about up about 1.7%. It's the WABC Early News. Well, MTA Chief Jano Lieber says a plan to charge motorists entering Midtown Manhattan could go into effect as soon as the end of next year. Lieber appeared on Fox 5. We're going to be open about this. What we want every is if you prey on New Yorkers, if you do something in the subway, we will get your picture and you will be, we'll find you and the, and the NYPD is going to, to arrest you. The MTA will start building out the sensors, cameras, and other infrastructure needed to launch congestion pricing next year. The initiative would increase tolls for drivers entering the most trafficked parts of New York City. It's expected to bring about $1 billion of revenue a year that the MTA will bond against, raising $15 billion of financing to support its $51.5 billion multi-year capital plan. The plan got held up earlier this year by a federal environmental review, an issue that Governor Kathy Hochul called out as a hurdle to implementation during a gubernatorial primary debate earlier this month. 
Lieber has also said that congestion pricing will pay for things like the Second Avenue subway line, accessibility improvements, and zero emissions vehicles. Well, speaking of subway improvements, the MTA has some new weapons in its transit crime-fighting arsenal in the form of surveillance cameras hidden in dozens of New York City subway cars. New York City Transit President Richard Davey confirmed that there are two cameras per car installed on 65 cars to start. If the pilot program is successful, the hidden cameras may eventually expand to the agency's entire fleet. Strap hangers like Adrian Feliciano reacted positively to the addition of new cameras. Crazy. We don't know what's going to happen next. And I think cameras are the best solution, working cameras especially. We need more surveillance. We need people to know that they're safe. I would feel safe knowing that there's more eyes. Davies said the cameras will not be monitored around the clock, but are intended to be used by cops to pull evidence of incidents happening below ground. The initiative was launched into action shortly after the April 12th Sunset Park subway shooting that left 29 people injured. Well, the MTA has reached a settlement with transit disability activists agreeing to make 95% of non-compliant subway stations accessible to people with disabilities by 2055. The MTA agreed to add elevators and ramps to 95% of non-compliant stations by 2055. Currently, just 126 stations, or about 27%, are accessible to people with disabilities. Under the settlement, the MTA will make an additional 80 to 90 subway stations accessible every decade before reaching its goal. The MTA would be required to devote about 15% of the subway's capital budget towards increasing accessibility. Gene Ryan, president of Disability in Action, was happy with the outcome. It's incremental, so, and there are timelines built into this. And funding, that's what's way better than having a promise, is having a legally binding agreement, and that's what we are after. The MTA says the remaining 5% of stations that won't be made accessible have engineering issues that would make adding elevators or ramps difficult, in some cases impossible. Since the since 2020, the MTA has completed accessibility projects at 15 subway stations across four boroughs. Well, federal prosecutors say convicted sex trafficker Ghislaine Maxwell should be sentenced to a minimum of 30 years and up to 55 years for her instrumental role in the horrific sexual abuse of multiple young teenage girls, this according to a sentencing memorandum. The memorandum filed Wednesday in the U.S. District Court for the Southern District of New York. Prosecutors wrote that Maxwell enjoyed a, quote, life of extraordinary luxury and privilege while engaging in a disturbing agreement with financier Jeffrey Epstein. One of Epstein's accusers, Sarah Ransom, spoke to CBS News about some of her experiences with Maxwell back in December of 2021. I'd been on Jeffrey Epstein's island for a few days with some other survivors who had been raped. Um, as well as I had been raped. And just before Ghislaine arrived, uh, Jeffrey very, very clearly said to me, you answer to Ghislaine, you do exactly what she says, and you don't cross her. Maxwell was convicted in December of five federal sex trafficking charges related to her role in recruiting and grooming teenage girls be sexually abused by Epstein, her close confidant. In the memo, prosecutors wrote that Maxwell recently reported she had almost no assets despite telling the court in bail applications she had about $22 million.
Well, an NYPD detective was injured after gunfire erupted near the intersection of Pitkin Avenue and Legion Street in the Brownsville section of Brooklyn last night. NYPD officials said two officers inside a marked vehicle were traveling westbound on Pitkin Avenue. They say that the vehicle reached Legion Street where shots rang out a suspect standing in front of 17 Legion Street then fired shots attempting to hit a white vehicle driving northbound on Legion. Here is Mayor Eric Adams. This person who came out the building had no regard for any of the innocent people in this community. And then after the shooting, to watch those heroic officers jump out of the car and not run away from the violence, but they ran towards the violence. Police say that during the gunfire, an NYPD vehicle's window was struck and a detective identified as 26-year-old Sanjay Verma was injured at the incident. Police do not have anyone in custody at this time. The injured detective was taken to Kings County Hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Your forecast from the Ramsey Mazda Weather Center, mostly sunny today with a high of 82, mostly clear later tonight with a low around 66, tomorrow sunny with a high near 89. Well, the Stonewall Inn started to honor the new LGBTQ plus trailblazers on its wall of honor, known as the birthplace of the LGBTQ rights movement. The Stonewall Inn carried on its legacy of forwarding the community's cause as Pride Month continues. Kathy Renna, communications director for the National LGBTQ Task Force, spoke about the additions on PIX11 News. We started this in 2019. We added 50 names in honor of the 50th anniversary of the Stonewall Uprising. And every year we're going to continue adding five diverse names of those who really made a difference for our community and blazed the trail. Some of the new honorees are composer Stephen Sondheim, activist Urvashi Vaid, and diplomat James Hormel. It's the WABC Early News on 77 WABC.